and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Becky Morgan, and joining me today is my colleague, Taylor Vincent. Taylor, how are we doing tonight? Ready to get going. All right. It is less than a week until the NWSL regular season kicks off, and tonight we're going to continue our previews of all the NWSL teams. This week, we're covering the Chicago Red Stars, OL Reign, and San Diego Wave. But before we go any further, I want to remind everybody that our Equalizer Stale is still happening. If you are not yet a subscriber, you can get a full year's worth of women's soccer coverage for only $23. That's a full $36 off our regular price. And all you have to do is hit subscribe on the Equalizer webpage, add the coupon code 23 at checkout. That's the numbers 23 to get the discount. And this is a World Cup year. The season's about to start. So there's going to be tons of more exciting, exclusive content than ever. And you are not going to want to miss out. But without further ado, let's start talking about the Chicago Red Stars. So the Chicago Red Stars were the other team that was eliminated in the quarterfinals. And they were eliminated in extra time to San Diego. Um, I think the biggest story about them in the offseason, Taylor, is the mass exodus they faced. They lost Morgan Goutreau, Vanessa DiBernardo, Danny Colaprico, Rachel Hill, and Sarah Waldmo also retired. So there's this massive loss of talent, and not just talent, but talent that had been with the team forever, like DiBernardo and Colaprico. And DiBernardo is even the team's captain. So let's work through Chicago's lines and talk about how they were impacted by these moves. Um, so let's start with defense. Tell me what you think about, uh, Chicago's defense and how they stand going into the new season. Yeah. Uh, I think Chicago fans will be happy that the team was able to get a uh, Canadian national, uh, Bianca St. George's to stay through her option year. And they locked down Aaron Wright through 2024. Um, returning also is Alyssa Nair who started 20 matches for the red stars last season and has been named captain this upcoming season. Hmm. Uh, the big thing to look forward to in the back line is going to be the return of Casey Kruger from maternity leave and Tierna Davidson, who's coming back post-ACL tear. Uh, Davidson was able to take advantage of the team's strategic alliance with um, VFL Wolfsburg and train there during the NWSL offseason to better prepare for um, kickoff. Um, the potential issue for Chicago looking at that back line is really depth and potentially how thin they could be during the World Cup. Uh, Bianca St. George's will definitely be joining Canada at the World Cup, and I think that Davidson could potentially be on the bubble for going. She did join the U.S. Women's National Team at She Believes to train, so if she does get the call, Chicago would be down to just five defenders. Yeah, um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Davidson in this upcoming year i mean she seems to be coming back pretty well but like you said she's on the bubble and i think what you mentioned about there being thinness across the lines is something that we're going to be seeing in uh in in all of chicago's lines honestly yeah so that's basically uh the big picture for defense um becky how is the midfield looking up well i mean the midfield was absolutely decimated frankly like we had already said kind of at the top um chicago really was a team that was killed um due to free agency i think more than any other team in the league as we mentioned cole prico gutro di bernardo di bernardo i'm so sorry di bernardo i cannot say your name today um all are gone from the midfield and that is basically most of their starting midfield and some of their most accomplished veterans uh, and, you know, especially on a team like the Red Stars that are known for controlling the tempo of their matches and moving the ball upfield really well. 
that without a solid midfield, it's not really clear if they're going to be able to keep that going. Um, they did at least add some new players. Carrie Ricaro is traded to Chicago and she's coming off a great year at Angel City. Sophie Jones is a draftee out of Duke who I think has a lot of potential. I mean, this is a good team to be on as a draftee after so many players left. You might really have a breakout year. And, you know, like many teams, Chicago did add a Brazilian, uh, this time defensive midfielder Julia Bianchi. So these are all solid players, but we have no idea how they're actually going to mesh together until we actually see them. And losing that veteran presence of um, Goutreau, Coloprico and company, I think that's really going to affect them. But moving on to the forwards, Mel Swanson is absolutely on fire. So I don't think we have any question that she's going to perform well for Chicago the way things are going. But that's when she's there and not away on international breaks. So that's going to be a problem for them. They do also have Yuki Nagasato, who is, you know, a solid veteran who is beloved and wonderful to have on your team in many ways. And then they did also draft Penelope Hawking, who has a ton of potential and, you know, could have a breakout year. Like I said about uh, Sophie, you know, she could potentially really, you know, make a name for herself because she'll have the opportunity. So this is helpful because in addition to losing Rachel Hill, there's still no word on what Kelia Watt is going to do after missing last year due to injury and maternity leave. So Taylor, do they have enough depth in the front line to carry them through these international breaks? And of course, the World Cup. Well, right. Some teams will have some real depth problems during the World Cup, and we'll get to those pretty soon. But I don't think that's the issue for Chicago. Uh, I think the problem is is that it isn't clear right now who exactly is going to fill in Mal's Swanson's shoes when she's gone. So I think the real question is: Does Chicago use the first half of the season to try to figure out who can replace Mal Swanson, or do they try to play differently to kind of highlight the players they do have? And kind of use the challenge cup games that are intertwined in the regular season in order to kind of find that out. So there are a lot of questions about Chicago. Um, Do you think the team they currently have can return to the playoffs this year? I mean, I really don't know. Of all the teams that made it to the playoffs last year, I think Chicago is honestly the least likely to repeat a trip to the playoffs. They've just had so much upheaval. They're, I mean, I don't need... I guess they're in a rebuild. They're just, you know, kind of trying to pull themselves together after everything that's happened in the last year. And then throwing in the fact that this is a world cup year and they're going to lose Mel Swanson. They're going to lose Alyssa Nair, possibly Tierna Davidson. You know, that's, that's a lot of key players to, to also lose during increments. So even if their young players do great, I just still think it's hard to see how this team will come together enough to be, solid unquestionable contenders for the playoffs there are just too many questions lingering they could do it I mean like we've said in every episode there's so much parody in the league they could really pull together and they could do it but I I just don't feel strongly I think that there's a decent chance that they might drop off so what do you think Taylor I mean I have to agree with you Becky um in my personal preseason table ranking I, I don't have Chicago making the cut I think right now there are too many question marks and the teams I have above them don't really have that uncertainty. And it's not just this season with the question marks. Um, Chicago currently has the most players becoming free agents next offseason and it's currently at nine. Mm. And right next offseason, there isn't just the free agency to contend with, but there will also be two expansion teams joining. Um, So there's going to be just a lot of chaos in the offseason in that way. 
I'd expect the team to make it a priority to lock down some of those players during the season so they don't potentially lose them to free agency. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see how that develops with, you know, free agency expanding so many players joining free agency. And then also, of course, the expansion teams, because we have no idea how they're going to do the expansion draft. Are they going to do a draft? Is it all going to be build your teams with free agents and trades? Who knows? But, you know, there's a lot of questions. And as you say, Chicago could be particularly vulnerable um, with all that happening. So I guess we'll have to see. But before we get into our semifinals teams, OL Rain and the San Diego Wave, we're going to take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back and ready to talk about OL Rain. So, Taylor, how about you give us a quick rundown of everything that happened with OL Rain this offseason? Um, overall, the Rain finished last season with the NWSL Shield and still invested in creating even more experienced depth in their lines in the offseason. Uh, they have 24 returning players from last year's team, so the core of the team is really intact. Hmm. Not even taking to, into account the NWSL draft picks, the Rain added Elise Bennett up top coming from a trade with Kansas City. Brazilian midfielder Luani is expected to be joining the team shortly pending her visa, and defender Emily Sonnet was grabbed in a draft day trade. Um, before any of the preseason matches, there was already the question of where do you put Sonnet, who can play as both a center back and an outside back, and Laura Harvey surprised everyone when Sonnet played the sixth role in the Portland preseason tournament against the U23s and also against the Thorns. So I think that her versatility gives the rain a lot of options there. And talking with Laura Harvey, uh, the fact that she can play so many places has kind of made other players kind of raise their level of game and compete at a higher level. So I think that's also a great added benefit. The other thing to remember is that Brazilian midfielder Angelina is currently month eight post-ACL tear. So I'd expect her back sometime in the first half of the season. She Mm -hmm. just hit the milestone of being able to do passing drills and was seen doing so in the warmups for the Portland preseason match last Saturday. Additionally, um, Quinn and Megan Rapino did not play in the preseason tournament. Um, from Laura Harvey, uh, she just didn't really want to risk them too much in the preseason matches, but I'd expect them to kind of be building up their minutes as we head into the regular season. So unlike Chicago and some other teams we've discussed, they really retained a lot of their players and also added some new exciting pieces. Like you said, Emily Sonnet, who you know has this versatility that's going to be really important to the team and that really helps flesh them out. And as you said, they're the Shield winners last year. So, you know, they had an extremely solid season and, you know, made it all the way to the semifinals. Do you think there's any way O.L. Reign is missing the playoffs? I mean, not really. I think that there are two big things that the Rain really do need to improve on this season. Um, the first is kind of those untimely slip-ups on defense. For example, in the second Houston game last year, the Rain dominated most of the match, but it only took two minutes for a few mistakes to lead to two Houston goals, which wouldn't have really been an issue if they weren't also struggling with finding the net, which I think was kind of the storyline for the Rain all last year. Which brings me to the second thing the Rain have to focus on this season, which is finishing, right? The Rain had an expected goals of more than five goals over what they actually scored during the regular season. So they were expected to score 37 goals over the 22 matches, and they only scored 32. 
I mean, 32 is still great, though. I think there's quite a few teams that would have been very pleased with that. But, I mean, you're right. These are weaknesses the rain has to address or, uh, you know, there's a potential chance that they're going to be exploited more and more as Houston exploited them over the course of the season. So those are some worries, but let's talk about their strengths. Um, What do you think is their biggest strength going into the new season? I think the depth is what makes the rain so hard to prepare for as an opposing team, right? They had 21 starting lineups in the 22 regular season games, right? So that kind of versatility and being able to swap in players uh, makes it really hard to prepare for. Then you have the fact that Fallon Tools Joyce just came out of nowhere last year and made herself a rain fan favorite with some incredible saves and showing the goal. And the fact that in front of her is a very strong core group of starting defenders will make this team hard to score on for the most part. The other thing you have to mention is just the high caliber of forwards they have. When you have a group of forwards that includes Megan Rapino, Jordan Heidema, Bethany Balser, Lise Bennett, Ziara King, and Veronica Latsko, it's got to be a hard job for A, Laura Harvey to choose who gets the start, and B, for teams to prepare for so many different combinations of lethal attacks. With that being said, uh, Rapino and Heidema are expected to be called up for the World Cup, so that will leave the reign with only four forwards for a short amount of time. So how do you think having only four forwards available will affect how they play during those extended periods? Because that is extremely thin. If there's an injury to one of those four players, that's you know potentially catastrophic for them. I mean, I think it's something that they'll likely be looking at as we head into the, the first half of the season, right? During the World Cup, they're going to be down to Balser, Bennett, King, and Latsko, which really isn't a problem in terms of skills, but without any extra added depth, it may be hard for the rain to tactically do their infamous full press that Laura Harvey loves so much, right? You just Your legs can't handle that much of a load if there's not really a lot of people to sub in there. No, that makes perfect sense. But, you know, even with a thin top line during the World Cup, I still can't see the rain not making the playoffs for all the reasons that we've discussed above. They've retained all their key players. They're coming off a shield-winning year you know even if they need to to work on their actual finishing and if you know they have a couple quibbles to work on they're just unquestionably one of the strongest teams in in the entire league so i i think that there's no question that they're just not going to make the playoffs i think they're going to be a top three team in the upcoming season what's your take I mean, I have no doubt that the rain will stay above the playoff line this season. Um, even with the questions I do have, I just don't see how they don't make it with their depth and like the cohesion of the core set of players. Fantastic. Well, let's wrap up talking about Ol Rain and start talking about the San Diego Wave. The Wave really made history in their first year. They accomplished something no expansion team has accomplished before and made it into the playoffs in their first year. And not only that, they actually held the first place spot for a good portion of the season. And so they were practically unstoppable for most of the season. They had a strong attack in Alex Morgan, had a strong defense with rookie Naomi Gurma, who had an amazing year and won not only rookie of the year, but defender of the year. And, you know, add to that, Casey Stoney got coach of the year. Kalen Sheridan got goalkeeper of the year. So they almost got a clean sweep of awards, except for MVP, which went to Portland, Sophia Smith. So, I mean, if that doesn't say they had an incredible year, nothing does. They were just all the way up there. And I think many, many people thought that they would make it to the finals. 
So how big a deal is it that San Diego made it all, not all the way into the playoffs, but almost to the championship in their very first year? And what do you think was the key to their success? I mean, San Diego basically set a new standard for expansion clubs coming into the league. And honestly, with the parity among teams, I don't see it being repeated again soon. Hmm. I think part of it comes down to recruitment. They knew what kind of soccer they were trying to play and got the right players to do the job. I think the other important thing that made this possible was the culture that Casey Stoney has kind of created in San Diego. And part of what made San Diego so strong this past year was their ability to get behind lines with such ease. I mean, even when Portland decided to take the counter off the table of available taxes by just sitting back and trying to absorb, um, San Diego just sent a barrage of crosses into the box the entire match. I think there was something like 20-something crosses in the second half. It was pretty ridiculous. So that really speaks to a level of confidence instilled in the players, you know, that they know just how good they are, that they just won't stop attacking, you know, especially for a new team of players who are playing together, many of them for the first time, you know, that's an incredibly strong sign that they were able to, to come together this cohesively, this strongly right off the bat. And you're right. I mean, a lot of that comes down to the culture created by the coach and created by Casey Stoney. Do you think they're going to be able to keep up this momentum in the new year? I mean, so San Diego finished last season tied for third and They basically went out during the offseason to make sure that that never happened again. They (laughs) definitely went full out and took full advantage of free agency. They were able to re-sign some key players, including defenders Kaylee Real and Madison Pogarch and forward Mackenzie Doniak. But they were also able to get three free agents signed to the team as well, right? They attained um, forward Rachel Hill and midfielder Danny Colaprico, um, both of whom had previously played for Chicago. And they also added midfielder Maggie Doherty Howard, formerly of the Orlando Pride. And not only did they have these big gets, but they locked down all three of them in deals through 2024. So, right, you can really see that Casey Stoney is trying to invest in the long term, not just the short. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they already had a solid core of players and they're definitely only building out. And, you know, they just as you said, are one of these teams that is just like, no, we should have made it to the championship. This is not happening again. We are making it next year. So all that being said, do you think they have any weaknesses that teams will be able to exploit? Because, you know, they, they had this incredible roster last year that performed so well, they added these new pieces. I mean, are they going to be unstoppable? I think their one question mark will be during the World Cup, uh, right? Their backup goalie, Carly Telford, announced her retirement last week. Uh, Telford was the natural backup to Kaylin Sheridan, who is the Canadian national team starting goalkeeper. And Telford started in four regular season matches for the Wave last season, right? So they have a big kind of gap there where they did sign um, one of their draftees to kind of fill in that gap. So now they at least have two goalkeepers on the roster, but I'd expect them to be looking to fill in that with a little bit more experience. Uh, The other real question that we have there is the fact that during the World Cup, uh, Naomi Gurma will be off likely with the U.S. Women's National Team, which leaves the team down to very few center backs, right? Um, They basically will have McNabb and Real, Right. And they do have some outside backs there. But the real question is going to be Abby Dahlkemper, right, who did have surgery on her back. And when she is back or if she's going to be back this year, right, because I don't think we've really heard any timelines 
on her return to play. I think the other question that the wave is going to have is the same one that OL Reign has, where they're down to four forwards during the World Cup. Now, Stoney isn't as big a fan of the full press, but depth could be an issue there if there are any injuries to one of the four remaining, which leaves you with Amir Ali, who did score two goals against Angel City in a closed-door preseason match this past weekend, Mackenzie Doniak, Jaden Shaw, and Rachel Hill. Right, So just the fact that it's so thin means that it's going to be a heavy load if there isn't additions. So do you think there's any chance, even with having the, the thin front line problem that Oloreen had, do you think there's any chance they don't make it to the playoffs? None at all. None at all. I mean, I agree. I, I feel they're about as big a shoe in as any team, barring injuries that could somehow kneecap them and knock on wood that doesn't happen. You know, they're they're only set to be stronger in the coming year based off the changes they made. And, you know, like we say, there's league parity. You never know what's going to happen. But I still think there's no change. Chan- there's no chance they don't make it at least into the top six. Where they fall in the top six, that could still be a question. But I, I think they're absolutely definitely going to make it. Well, this has been great, Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. And of course, we'd like to give a special thank you to our distributor, Blue Wire Podcasts, and our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. For The Equalizer, I'm Becky Morgan, and we'll be back soon with more. 